It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. Oh, look at here. It's the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers. Gentlemen, I miss blues hockey already. I do too. I miss blues hockey, but the playoffs have been damn entertaining, have they they not? Absolutely so. I I just... uh, you know, man, I think I just still have a little bit of a bitter taste, I guess, going on here with, with, with the Blues season. And then now, the Cardinals have 647 oh, injuries, too. Holy cow. So, like, there is something in the water here, apparently, yeah. for our sports teams. Well, it's just um, bad times. Start follow, it starts, just start following the local football. Oh, wait. <laughs> Or the local basketball. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Do we have indoor soccer still? Well, we, we, yeah. we will. We will? Is that what you said? Yeah, we do have indoor soccer. No, we soccer. do. We have uh, the they, ambush that play over the at the family. Are they still playing? Yeah, they're still so. playing? Okay. Yeah, they're still a thing. Yeah, yeah and then we got St. Louis City coming uh, yeah. in a year or so, something like that. Boy, that's going to be really good. That stadium right looks direction. amazing, doesn't it? Looks it looks really incredible. Cow. And I'm not right just now? saying that looking for a media pass, but it looks amazing there. <laughs> <laughs> really there are certain does. requirements you have to meet for that, Jeff. Oh, really? A couple of those, uh, yeah, there might be some obstacles for you. <laughs> well, we got to say we got time to work on it, right? I can flush my system out. So I want to uh, I want to begin with a little a, problem. a little hockey action, a little playoff hockey uh, uh-huh. tidbit. Yeah, it was a couple years ago when the Blues were making their run to the Stanley Cup Finals, or actually were in the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, there was, and I don't know what game after what post game press conference that it was in, but the uh, the Bruins head coach uh, went on to say that the uh, the Blues. Uh, that the refs treat the Blues like saints, mm-hmm. and that the Blues are 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 not playing. The, the refs aren't calling the, the the penalties that deserve to be called. Blah 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 blah. We fast forward two years, and dude says almost the exact same thing again about the New York Islanders. But I did not watch the game in which that he was talking about, and people say that it was pretty egregious. I just find it funny that the dude continues to do this same kind of complaining, and I'm happy to have a head coach that doesn't do that. Well, That's all I'd like to say. I guess he well, did. Yeah, Chief, <laughs> Chief did it a little bit this year, Donnie. He did. He, he did. did. That was a bit surprising to me when he did, well, but he did do it, it a little bit. It was strategic nonetheless, but he did do it. I mean, 
I think as a coach, you look for any advantage you can find, and you try to take the attention off maybe some of the other things that are going on. And Bruce Cassidy, look, Bruce Cassidy is a guy that you guys would love to have a beer with. He's uh, from the Ottawa area. I grew up watching him play junior hockey, uh, played uh, for him for like one game in the uh, an international hockey, the IHL, right before I signed with the Ottawa Senators. They wanted to see if I was in shape. I played one game. They signed me. Uh, great guy. I love Bruce Cassidy. But he's a whiny little bitch when it comes to <laughs> the refereeing. He is, and it's a strategy. He tried it with the Blues that they're all, oh, they're, you know, they're different set of rules. And, uh, oh, I guess they get to just, uh, you know, hit our guys late and do all this malicious stuff. And it's because his team was underperforming in that moment, and they are right now. So. Hey, why not swing for it? What, Although what, it cost what, him twenty five grand. Right, I was going to say first of all, yeah. But what what does that do? Like you said, he's he's doing it strategically. What does that do for his team if he comes out in a press conference and complains about the refs? Well, it's not necessarily what he does for his team, right? One, it takes the focus off of his team. So if someone's playing like crap, the media is less apt to ask about that player or how they're now they're like, whoa, coach just had a meltdown. He's talking about the refs. Wonder what's going to happen next. All of a sudden, it just changed direction. Um, and what happens is the league, not that they knowingly start to look at the game a little differently, but the head of officiating, Stephen Walkham, was going to, he'll have a meeting with the guys from those games. He'll go over some of the video. And to your point, Donnie, there were a couple calls that were missed, but there's calls that are missed on both sides all the time. Every game. Every game. So, uh, but he'll go over that with the refs. And then what happens is then the refs are a little more uh, alert to certain things. And if he gets one call, that he wouldn't have gotten two games before the game before. That's a win. Maybe that's the goal. Maybe that's the power play that they get the game winning goal on. So, it's all little things that you try to get your advantage. With. Would you, Would you guys agree that, uh, especially in the NHL, hockey is the hardest of all the sports to officiate? Boy, it's got. I mean, I would think um, football would be pretty tough football, in the trenches I think and stuff. So, but the thing is, with football, you have a lot of refs. On that's the right. Field, right. You got them everywhere. With hockey, uh, the linesmen. Strictly designated to calling the lines to the icings and things like that. The two referee system, yeah, you know, there's going to be things that are missed. It just is. I mean, the game is so fast. That's the, what I think because it's so fast. The opinions of both referees are different, right? So it's gotten better at times where the referees talk and they have different styles of like what they're going to call. What happens? What really sucks is when you have two completely different styles of referees that call penalties. One, the guy that's like everything and the other guy that's like hardly anything what happens then is you have this like crazy push and pull from the referees like well you called this and this is where tim peel kind of uh you know when he got busted talking about things it's sometimes you have partners that call everything or he missed a whole bunch and now you're trying to make a a makeup call to make it even to level the playing field and it just ends up sometimes being a disaster in tim peel's case you end up getting uh, a good rogering that he didn't need. Right. Can I ask this? And I, and I don't. And I'm honestly asking this question uh, just as a fan. Does the NHL have a problem with officiating? Well, I think yeah, they do. What's happened here in the last, well, I'll say, eight to ten years is they've fast forwarded guys. You used to be a referee in the NHL forever, and you. You came up through the junior ranks, then you worked in the minors for four or five years. You get a little bit of a sniff, just like players. You get a little chance, and once you got there, like you were there. But because of the four-referee system now and because there's so many different levels of hockey, they're taking guys that 
uh, are not qualified, and they're fast-tracking them through junior hockey, American League, NHL within like two to three years. Oh, boy. And that's a lot for some of these guys. So I think that the uh, the quality of officiating just through the, the actual process of learning it all, and just like anything else, if you don't have the experience, then you make bad calls. And that's where we're at. What's the profile on an NHL Ref, like where did they come from? Is this a frustrated hockey player that didn't make it to play? Okay, no, but in all seriousness, is it people that made it maybe to college and didn't go any further? So they're like, hey, I want to stay in the game, so I become a ref. Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of different avenues for that. Uh, Some people just uh, they really enjoy it. They start doing it as a teenager, refereeing around town, and they really like it. And they realize that hey, uh, I have talent in this. I'm doing good, and I I want to do this. And so they stick with it, and they just they, they, instead of like being a hockey player, they want to be a ref. Right. And so there's that avenue, and then there's the other avenue of guys that played the game to a certain level, or they reached a maximum level, or they just weren't good enough to keep playing, but they're hockey people, right? So then they say, well, "I'm going to try this refing," and they go over and do that. Now, what I what I really would like to see is former NHL players. And nowadays you could do it because guys' careers are short. Some guys are in and out of the NHL quickly. I'd like to see a guy who's got 100, 150 games in the NHL where the league notices that he's retiring or he's going to go over and play in Germany, something like that, right? The NHL approach him and say, hey, I know you're making this much money. You could make more money as a referee. What do you think? What do you think about doing a year of training and then getting on and being – Seriously, can you imagine if you had a I'm stable... I'm just thinking old blue, like Harry York, all of a sudden is a, is a referee. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Like, honestly, if it was offered to me, because my career uh, cut short, I was at the end of my career. I get it. It was on the downslope. But I was still only 34 years old. Yeah. I could have ref till I'm 50. And had I thought about it, maybe I would have done it. And then all of a sudden I'm an NHL referee. But I know everything. I played, sure, yeah. you know, 13 years and, and played over 450 games. Guess what? I know what's going on. I know the temperature of the game. I know what the players are thinking. I know the situation. And so that's just me. There's a whole bunch of me's out there. There's guys that would love to do it. I would love to see the NHL alumni program uh, embrace those guys and have a direct connection with the NHL referees and say, hey, here's a group of like 10 guys that retire each year and – See what you can do. Kind of get a get a pipeline going almost yeah. to say, hey, who wants to do it? And who who can qualify? It would solve for some it. of the post career problems too for some guys. Well, That's and it's just point. such it's such a good idea knowing the you know knowing that you've been in the game, been in the situation. Well, what are you going to say to the ref? Ah, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> right. Listen, well, buddy, I've been in your shoes, right, yeah. man. Well, in in a okay to go back to what I was asking before. It, what do you? <laughs> what does the NHL do to help this officiating problem along? Because it seems like it's a storyline. In, in a lot of games, way more than it feels like it should be at this point. Yeah, I think it's equal throughout all sports. I think everybody's okay. pissed off at referees all the time. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's, it's an the easy absolutely one. thankless job. Yeah, I mean, 100%. No matter what you call, you've pissed off somebody. Right. Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, so they have a process, though, of where they, they have a score chart or a report card, whatever you want to call it, uh, of guys' performances, and they look at the video, and if there's things that are questionable or questions they have – They'll send the video link to the referee. The next day, they'll go over it and talk about this, that, the other. Good call, bad call, maybe think of this next time. So there is on-the-job training that goes on, and they do address almost every situation. It's not like they just go, oh, well. Right. No, there is a guy that's paid quite a bit of money to 
uh, make sure that he's trying at least to improve the quality of the officiating. Very good. Well, mm. when the playoffs started, we were – well, let me rephrase this. Once our Blues were uh, oh so um, quickly dispatched in yeah, the first round of the nice playoffs. It um, very cool, not at all. We all kind of uh, seemed as though that we were on the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights bandwagon to uh, to win the Cup. And uh, I'm, it's not as though that I am off of that bandwagon, but man – Seeing Montreal win is freaking awesome. Yeah. And I think I'm rooting for the Canadians the rest of the and way. What a storied history they have, but it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. You know, and, and I was reading a quote from, I think it was uh, Tyler, I can't pronounce his last Toffoli. name, Tafoli, was saying that we're the underdogs. Nobody believes us. Nobody has believed in us the whole season. Why would they start now? And I just, I did, that's just a great, fun thing to root for. On top of loving the jerseys, loving Carey Price, seeing what he's done. It's just a really cool story, man. The NHL playoffs are a better play when the Montreal Canadiens are relevant. And I tweeted that out a couple of nights ago, and it was exciting because I grew up on the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs, but obviously the Maple Leafs out. Montreal Canadiens, I'm watching this, and it's like it's like the ghosts of the past are with these guys. Like Carey Price is, is channeling Patrick Waugh from, hmm, yeah. from 1993. That 93 Stanley Cup championship for the Canadians was completely, they were the underdogs the entire way. They had a bunch of misfits on that team, and they won the Stanley Cup. This reminds me of that. And now that they've allowed fans back in the building, 2,500, not a whole lot. There are about 20,000 in the street after the game, so you may want to rethink some of your policies. I don't know. Why don't you just let them in the building? Just saying. Uh, either way, it's exciting times. It's like I, I talked to the guys in the fast lane yesterday. I go, imagine you know, the New York Yankees not being relevant for 20 years. Well, Imagine that, right? In the sport of baseball, or take your pick of whatever, the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's always the Lakers, the Celtics, the whatever Buffalo it Bills. is. Every sport has that historic franchise. And imagine that long between cups or being relevant, and now they've pulled up pulled out a couple of upsets. They're Canada's team. They're going for it. Heck, there are a lot of people in the United States are loving this too. I think they're going to run into a real big dead end when they play either the Golden Knights or the Avalanche. I just think those teams are incredible. But I said that twice now. Mm-hmm. I said that about Toronto. I said that about Winnipeg. And these guys just keep winning. It's fun. It's fun to watch Jake Allen, who's a part of it. Joel Edmondson. Oh, he's playing Love pretty good up him there. Play holy cow! Looks pretty good. Just yeah. saying. Uh, and, of course, uh, the Burge, Mark Bergevin, who's up there, who's become some kind of a rock star <laughs> up there. He's got his Barry Gibb hairstyle going Man, he has right settled now. in up there, hasn't he? And Holy he's got God. a bright red suit that he wears on, like, clinching days, and he's, it's craziness. But before the season started, wasn't Bergevin a little bit on the hot seat? I mean, not even a little bit on the hot seat. Wasn't he on the hot seat? He's been on the hot seat for a while. For a bit. And, Get, coming into these playoffs, people just thought they were going to lose the Maple Leafs. And all the media in Canada are like, well, it's time for Bergevin to go. It's time to pop, 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 cut ties. And, and one round in against the Maple Leafs, they're like, yeah, maybe he still needs to go. I'm not sure. Now they want. Now he's a rock star. Right. Sure. Now it's like, hey, by the way, Burge, I left a contract for life on your desk. <laughs> if you could find a couple of minutes and sign that, would be great. How much, like, how much time does getting this deep into the playoffs like buy him? You know what I mean? Like, like well, so with the team that he did it with, uh, it buys him a lot. And uh, when you look at the guys who are relevant right now for the Montreal Canadiens, Carey Price, you expect that. You need that and you expect it, okay? 
But the other guys, like Joel Edmondson, he's stepping up. Petrie on defense, guys that are stepping up. That were like Shea Weber. He he acquired Shea Weber. He took or he traded PK Subban. Suzuki drafted. Cole Caulfield drafted, developed. Toffoli signed. Like Bergey, his fingerprints are all over this roster. So I think when they keep winning, and especially the young guys that are performing so well. It shows that they they have knowledge in their draft too. So why would you get, why would you move on? You're like, okay, I got a guy who signs some veteran guys to to good contracts that are unrestricted. He nailed it with the guys that he got here. Then I got a guy who has a staff at least that recognizes young talent, and these guys are tearing it up. So the future of the franchise looks good because of the young guys. But now I'm confident that Mark Bergevin can find accent pieces with veterans around the league that can jump in and help them. All right. I think he's done a really good job. All right. I want to ask this, and I'm sorry that I don't know this in a room full of hockey guys. How do the remainder of the playoffs. He's talking to us, Jeff. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm looking around like, what? So I know tonight uh, you've got, I think the Islanders are up three to two on Boston, and that game six is tonight. So how does this break down? Who will play who after this round? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Montreal plays the winner of Vegas, uh, Colorado, correct? Oh, okay. Yeah. That's oh, that's why you're like ooh. Yeah. That's ah, why you said okay. Ooh. Ah, yeah. And so, so then, so then it'll be lightning against the winner of uh, Boston and Islanders. All right, yeah. very good. Not correct. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So it's a tough road for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, watching that Avalanche Golden Knights series, those teams are good. Man, it was. It's even more fun than I thought it was going to be. That series. I'm in. I'm so in love with hockey again. Yeah. And, and I don't mean that in a crazy way. Like you guys know, when I watch games, I find all the mistakes. Yeah. It's like I, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my god, I'm watching the bad forecheck, the bad defensive zone coverage. We've even said to you, like, do you enjoy like watching the game like we enjoy watching a game? And you don't. Yeah. No, the answer was no. Yeah. No. But for whatever reason, uh, a little bit last night, I stopped a few plays. On the overtime goal, I did a little pause and slow-mo watching how things developed. And I'm, like, you know, I'm just crazy. I can't help just it. Just enjoy it, damn it. But for the rest of the series, I've sat back and enjoyed it. And I'm just watching the play go back and forth. And I'm for whatever reason, my brain isn't sitting there watching all the mistakes. It's just enjoying the action back and forth and the ups and downs and the lead changes and all that. So it's been awesome. It's been super entertaining, super fun. For me, it's can't miss hockey, watching the Avalanche and the Golden Knights right and, and to me, it's, and I know I've said this a million times, but I take the things that you tell us, Jamie, and as an education, and I look for those things when I watch hockey. And all of the things that you say make good hockey, both of these teams are doing. You know, the gap closure is one thing. Getting it in and, and having your F1 and then the F2 and then throw it back to the – Everything that you say, mm-hmm. it's textbook hockey on both sides. These guys are amazing. so much faster. Well, too. if you look at the overtime goal, if you isolate that, and that's the one I took my time on last night, uh, the bottle of wine in too, and it's kind of fun to do that. That a boy, maybe two. Anyways, uh, <laughs> you look at Vegas, and you always talk about, hey, I always want to have five guys in the picture, and all that means that's saying is when you're watching TV, if you can count five guys from your team in on the screen means you're you're flooding the zones correctly. And Vegas had five guys in the screen on the defensive side, and then they fronted shots. They blocked shots two in a row, and then they make a pass to a guy who's headed out of the zone, and boom, there you go. That's the game. Thank you for not saying his name, by the way. 
I know he's such a scumbag. Oh, but man, that gosh, was a shot. Yeah. Anyway. So, how do the Blues evaluate themselves going into next year, knowing that we really never saw the team at its, you know, at its whole, but realizing, man, you know, maybe there's still a sizable amount of work to do, even with healthy bodies next year, to keep up with Colorado and Vegas. Yeah, it's an eye-opener for sure. And I thought I don't think the Blues, by any means, were looking at it as, oh, we're equal to both of these teams on paper. I don't think they were, they were looking at it that way. I think they thought playing their game and being able to, uh, you know, impose their style on a team would make them equal. And goaltending's a big thing, too. You know, mind you, uh, Mark Andre Fleury is pretty incredible. Grubauer, I'm still not sold on this guy. I don't know if I ever will be, but he's playing pretty well. He's got some good numbers, um, and that's that. But the Blues, yeah, they know. I think Doug Armstrong knows he's got work to do. He's got to improve certain areas of the team, and it's an ongoing battle. And it, you always look at the teams that are winning in the playoffs and then ultimately the Stanley Cup and go, okay, what do they have or what did they do that we don't? And that's how you kind of have to look at the next season, and you try your best to address those those needs. Two things. I hope next year that Jordan Bennington uh, knocks that stupid-ass cowboy hat off of Grubauer's head because uh, I just I feel like he's really smug for what reason I'm not quite sure for a guy that's never won a damn thing. I just want to see a fight. And then, mm-hmm. and then, and then, and then two, I just don't ever want to lose to Colorado again. I think over the course of the last couple of months, I have, and I talked about this last week, uh, the hatred had kind of went away. Oh, it's back, baby. It's back now? It, it is back, and I love seeing Vegas win, even seeing Mark Stone do things that are positive, which is tough. It's hard to, here's the thing, that's, this is the conflicting thing for hockey fans, right? Because we fan hard when it comes to the Blues and everybody in their their region, their team, they, they fan hard. But when you look at somebody like Mark Stone, and he's a scumbag for what he did to Tyler Bozak. Now, I've done some pretty stupid things, too, in my career, and I'd like to think that some people overlooked it at times and said, ah, it was a bad moment, you know? And that was a bad moment, 100%. But, man, when you watch him play, he reminds me so much of number 90 on our team. Mm, I knew you were going to say that. You're he right. He does so Damn many it, you're little right. things right. Like, last night... When I talk about five guys in the picture on the back check, he busts his butt straight down the middle of the ice, textbook back check, taking away any cross-ice passes, stops in the house, which is that little area in the slot in your defensive zone, then fronts the shot from the point, blocks it, and then ultimately gets the goal. Like, No, that's what you want somebody to do on your team? That doesn't <laughs> sound very productive yeah. at all. And, yeah. and dude, that's kind of one of the bummer parts. He of- leads the NHL in steals, too, mm. where he comes up behind guys and steals the puck and he's gone man i've thought multiple times in watching a bunch of these playoff games and i'm sorry to say this the way that i'm about to say it but man i questioned very much if our blues had that extra drive that you have to have in the playoffs to win to beat i just i here's but my, it's so hard to say though because they had so many injuries i'm sorry to no mean, I, I don't know right. if it's the drive and i don't know if it's the injuries but getting back to that this particular matchup vegas and and the Avalanche, especially in Game 1, when I flipped over and Game 1 started, they're so much better. They're so much faster right now. And to that point, Petrangelo does not look like 
the best player on the on the Vegas Golden Knights. He doesn't have to be. If he, but one of my point is on the Blues, he stuck out like a sore thumb. That was the best the thumb last out there. Couple of games. What's that? Have you watched the last couple of games? Yeah, I have. I'm saying overall. I'm Alex saying Petrangle overall, might be the best player in the NHL. I, right I understand that, and I, and I and I know that's where your view is. But my point is. He's on a better team now. Is what is is what my yeah, point is. He blends in, and the fact that he blends in means that everybody around him is that much better. That's my point in saying that. Yes. I, so I just busted. And nose. again, to that point, ball Don't buster. So <laughs> uh, I saw something on Twitter. Uh, it was some some sort of. Oh boy, must be true. Yeah, I no. It was a it was a question basically or a topic. Say something hockey related that everybody is not going to. Agree with basically is what it was. Clem and Costa somebody is I'm, the greatest player ever. No, 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 no. <laughs> Would you leave him alone and let him finish. Something that Come you on. aren't going to agree <laughs> with. I said. Okay, go ahead, Jeff. Somebody I'm assuming from St. Louis, but who knows? Said this is going to be an unpopular opinion, but Bo Meester is a bigger loss to the Blues than Alex Petrangelo. Thoughts? Um, well, before I go. Mm-hmm. Donnie, what are your thoughts? Well, here's the thing, man. I understand the talent difference between uh, Petro and 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 Jabo. But this past year, we seem to have needed a stay-at-home, steady-eddy defenseman more than almost anything else. So I will not say that I miss J-Bo more than Petro. That is crazy. Petro's just better, and he does more stuff, and he's just better. But I will say that that is not as outlandish of a statement as I would have originally maybe, maybe said. Obviously, I'd rather have Petro, but man, Jabo, man, I, I just, I did not appreciate the steady Eddie. I did not appreciate how tremendous and how important that role, that not flashy role, that guys like him play. I just didn't give it enough credit, man. But I think the same could be said for a couple of other guys on that Stanley Cup winner too. Alex Steen being another. One. Oh my gosh, the the lot, the list of people that we could say I didn't realize until you were gone is yeah. is very very long. Of those guys that do. All of that heart, just do that nitty gritty, not sexy stuff, but still gets the freaking job done. That lets the stars do what the stars do. Right. Yeah. And, and you know what? I'm just gonna say that I, I think Petrangelo, obviously, more important to the blue losing the, the you know not being around the Blues than Bo Meester. But just a question like that shows how big of a loss Bo Meester is. Yeah. First thing I'm gonna say is shame on you Blues fans for a couple of years ago. When uh, you were calling him Jay Boo, and you were booing him, and you wanted him out of town, and you yep. thought, "Oh my God, I can't believe the Blues still have this guy. Why is he even playing?" So, first of all, shame on all of you because you you were wrong. And uh, I pounded the drum back then, and I'll do it again now. Jay Bowmeister won throughout the 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 bulk of his career was a very dynamic defenseman, one of the fastest skaters in the league. That's why he was a first round pick. Played with him in Florida. This guy could fly, flat out fly. Uh, he was that steady presence on the blue line day in and day out. He was that steady presence in the locker room. He's quiet, right? We all know that. But when he says things, they're very important, and guys gravitate to that because it's few and far between where Jabo steps up and says something, right? This is a guy that never missed a game, really, too, right? Up until yeah, I think until a couple he was of years. Healthy scratched, yeah. and then, then he had but a he wasn't healthy. Of, scratch, yeah, he yeah. wasn't. It was kind of a mix, right? Yeah. So yeah, so a guy you could depend on too, and he really balanced out your blue line with the St. Louis Blues, and was a huge reason that they won the Stanley Cup. Now, to say you miss him more than Alex Petrangelo, 
That's a stretch to say the least. Okay? <laughs> I, say the I least. like that you're saying it that way, Jamie. That's being well, nice. The first time I brought it up to him, I'm like, I'm glad I didn't call you because they immediately, like while you were driving, because they immediately just closed his eyes. I was like, oh, man. Uh, again, I understand how much we can appreciate Jay Bowmeister. I love the guy. I've known him since he was 18 years old. I think he's just an awesome dude. I totally appreciate everything he's done. But we're we're apples to oranges on this one. It's not the same animal. And, and what you have right now is a guy in Alex Petrangelo who took a little time this year to get used to his environment in Vegas and figure out where he was in, in the pecking order because Mark Stone was the captain uh, and Petro got given an A. But how do you fit in? You're a captain from a different team. Take some time. Now he's one of the best defensemen in the league again. And I know that uh, Hedman... He's had a fantastic year. And Kale McCarr, he's a fantastic player, too. But if you watch what Alex Petrangelo has done the last two or three games for the Vegas Golden Knights, it's incredible. You know, last night he has seven shots on net, four block shots. The block shot ultimately that led to the Mark Stone goal to end this thing. He's playing heavy minutes against the best players in the game right now. You don't replace that. So for me, Alex Petrangelo is by far the biggest loss. He'd be the biggest loss on any team right now. If you took him away from the Vegas Golden Knights, he'd be the biggest loss for them. He would be because he is by far the alpha dog on that blue line for them. No matter how good Shea Theodore and Martinez are, they're good, but they're accent pieces to your program if if Alex Petrangelo is there and playing the way he can. Can I ask a really depressing question? Probably. Oh, this boy. is really depressing. It is. It yeah. is. And as you're talking about Petro, yeah. I'm just thinking about it. Have the Blues lost too much of that locker room leadership sure. over the course of the last couple of years? That, I mean, how do you recover from that, dude? I mean, well, you got to replace it with other guys, but I know that that chemistry part is not or, easy. Or, or somebody who's there has to step up. Yeah, they've lost a lot. And mm-hmm. I don't, to your guys' point just a couple minutes ago, I didn't know how much we'd miss Jabe. I didn't know how much we, we'd miss Steiner. Didn't know how much we'd miss Petro. All that stuff, right? Yeah, you're 100% right. And sometimes you don't know till you're in it. And I think that's where the Blues are with it, or where they were, anyways. Because I think over the course of the season, there are some guys that took some really, really big steps as far as leadership is concerned. And Ryan O'Reilly. There was a point in time where I was worried about this guy, uh, not in a crazy way. Just, I, m- I remember you saying, "Hey, maybe take a pre- maybe take a uh, post game yeah. uh, press conference off. Leave this guy alone. Tell yeah. him he's not available for a week. Like, give him a break because he shoulders everything. He's always the biggest problem when they lose, which is such so far from the truth. He's one, usually one of the only shining lights you have when you lose in some of the ways that the Blues lost this past season." But I was worried about his own personal like confidence. Uh, David Perron took some huge steps as a leader and found his role. Braden Shen, again, you know, taking steps forward. I think Colton Pareko learned that just because you've been handed a letter, it doesn't automatically happen. And he had some adversity with injuries and then Vladdy coming back. And I think there's guys that took some big steps forward. Justin Falk, he became a leader in that locker room where he wasn't a voice before, not a big voice before. So, yeah, you lost Jay Bowmeister, you lost Alex Steen, and you lost Petro. Those are big shoes to fill. You don't fill those shoes, but other guys uh, have identified that, at least, whether it was um, that they thought about it or just by accident identified a lack of leadership, and they've stepped up. And so I don't worry about the Blues moving forward. I think that guys have found their spot 
in the pecking order, and I think that guys have figured out what it takes to do it. And I think that those guys will respond. They'll be good leaders for the Blues. And uh, moving forward, maybe we need a character guy or two in the locker room, don't you think? Are you talking about me? No, I'd no, love no. to do it. No, not you. You do have strong character. I have guy. character, man. I'll get everybody going, but I'm too much of a rah-rah guy too much. We just need you as a locker room attendant, though. Can you, you know, maybe gum? That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I'll do that. That man. sort of thing, a little yeah. gum. Yeah, I can. whatever. Um, or you bring in somebody. Let's just say somebody you could trade for. Really? Yeah, somebody that trade might be a free or, agent or in a couple of years. Trade or free agency, because there's a couple of there's a couple of guys that I've thought of. In the okay, last little while. okay. Before you guys get to that, I just want to ask this real quick. So I think the Blues need to make a splash this off season a bit. Hmm. I think they need to make like a bold move. I agree. That's what I think you're about ready to talk about. I have been teased by you, Jamie Rivers. Well, again, uh, what? Over the last couple of days, uh, there was a young lady that was on your program uh, that uh, covers the, I believe it's the Calgary Flames. Yes. And the name Matthew Kachuk was brought up. Oh. So immediately. What was that last name again? Le- Kachuk. Hmm. At least my it. At least my ears perked up, if nothing else. <laughs> and I went, whoa, wait a minute, because I want one or if not both of these dudes. And you painted a scenario where this could be possible. Yeah, there's two, there's two uh, to, to, your, to play off your words, Donnie, of make a big splash. There's two big fish out there that in my opinion, and just mine, I think the Blues could explore. And the two names that I've isolated are Gabriel Landeskog and Matthew Kachuk. Two guys in very, very different situations. Gabriel Landeskog's going to be an unrestricted free agent if he can't bang out a long-term deal with the Avalanche. The obstacle for the Avalanche there is they have a young guy named Kale McCarr who's going to want to get paid. He's going to want to get paid. And they're going to want to lock him up. They're going to want to say, hey, Kale McCarr, eight years, boom, here you go. And his agent's going to say, okay, well, you're going to pay for those eight years because this guy could be unrestricted in a handful of years and he's going to get paid there. So we got to make sure. If you do that, you're pricing yourself out of re-signing Gabriel Landeskog. It's going to be tough for them to fit under the cap, which is going to remain flat, I think, for another two, maybe three years at oh. $81.5 million. Man, Since you're bringing up money, can I ask you a question? No, uh, I won't lend okay. you money. Sorry. <laughs> um, the, the, the Landeskog thing, yeah, obviously they're going to probably try to re-sign him, and he will probably want to stay there. Who knows? Winning the Cup or not winning the Cup, would that change things? No, because he, in my opinion, is the biggest fish out there as a left winger in the NHL. He's no, but be- what I'm saying is as far as the chances of him leaving there or oh, not leaving. No, him, it doesn't change things, things. It doesn't. You okay. know, because the same argument can be then turned to Cal McCarr. Now you have a Stanley Cup winning defenseman who is a Norris Trophy finalist who could win it this year. And he's only his second year in the league. He won the rookie of the year last year. Now he's up for the Norris. He's trending upward. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit, yeah, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and Gabriel Landeskog, as good as he is, he's not the best left winger in the NHL. Or one of the best. But he's going to be the best left winger available through unrestricted free agency. So I think the Blues could kick tires there. And the fact that Colorado may not be able to compete with the average, the AAV average annual value of a contract because of the salary cap. The Blues will have money coming off the books, and it depends what decisions they want to make. They have Jaden Schwartz, Tyler Bozak uh, that are coming off the books for sure, Mike Hoffman, uh, Vince Dunn. We're not sure what's going on there, and there's a couple other guys that could find their way off the roster. You're going to lose one guy for sure to the Seattle Kraken. So doing the math, you would have enough money to go and at least entice a Gabriel Landeskog. 
Now, option two, door number two, Jeff, <laughs> is a cost certainty guy uh, with a year left on his deal, and then you would have his rights. He would have arbitration after that, but I guarantee you'd be looking to make a uh, long-term commitment to this individual, and that's Matthew Kachuk. And so to explain, I know. Well, why would I'm Calgary sit, even want to get rid of I'm him? I'm going to sit on my hands. I guess you're going about to say that. Yeah. I'm going to so hold on it's, and wait. Again, it's not a... <laughs> <laughs> I'll edit that out. Don't worry just, about it. Yeah, we're fine. We don't even have to edit. That's fine. I don't know how to anyways. So just don't let Jeff erase the whole thing. Um, no, it's not that... Here's the tough part is it's not that Calgary doesn't want him. They want him. They want him to be there for the rest of his career. But what if Matthew looks at the roster and Johnny Gaudreau is up after next year? I mean, he's probably going to walk off into unrestricted free agency. Monahan into the same similar situation. Mark Giordano almost certainly is going to be picked by the Seattle Kraken in the expansion draft. You're a skeleton of what you once were as a team. And now the only guy left on the island is Matthew Kachuk. What kind of a team do you think they're going to have then? Oh, boy. So if I'm looking at that... Matthew Kachuk and maybe not him, but his representatives. And they're going, hmm, I don't know. We'll play out this contract. We'll sign a one-year deal. And then we have unrestricted free agency. So in two years, Calgary could be without all the guys I just mentioned and without Matthew Kachuk. So they're basically going to be the bottom of the league. So what you do as a GM in Calgary is you go, I have a cost-certain guy. So anybody who's trading for Matthew Kachuk knows $7 million. You don't have to re-sign. You have to do nothing crazy. You have him for $7 million next year, and he would easily become the most attractive left winger on the market at that point. So the Blues, you put together a package that the Calgary Flames can't resist. And the reason you do that is because they're going to lose all those other guys. They're going to lose them. So what do you do? You replenish their team and give them a chance to stay at least status quo of where they are and maybe build towards getting better. So the Blues put together a strong offer that gives them some youth and some certainty as well on the books as far as cost and some certainty as well as far as production goes. Now, who would those players be? That was my next question, but I was waiting for my turn. Go ahead. No, no, that was just going to be my next question. How about this? Let's play a game. Oh, who do we trade for Matthew Kachuk? Let's each take a turn and see who you would trade for Matthew Kachuk. And as we go, if there's something like a – a no movement, a no trade, or a this or a that, or a contract issue, we'll address it on okay. the fly. Well, man, I well, here's the first thing, man. I don't want to lose Cairo or Thomas in order to do it. One mm-hmm. of them's got to go to make this deal. One of those That's two what has I thought. to go, guaranteed. Damn. Um, well, then it's got it. Then I'd to go me, Thomas. Then it would be Thomas. And, but I'm in. Ba- I'm basing it on on this past season, though. Where where he and is that sh- is that how I should base it? I don't know. I'll say Thomas too, but I don't feel good about that even in the slightest. No, but uh, look at the two players. Who would you rather have? Well, and you got to give to get. Uh, you know what I mean? You got right. which I keep in mind. But uh, yes, of the two, Cairo to me seems as though he can be a bit more explosive of the two. And, and again, learning from from Jamie. In the past, I think you've said if you if you're thinking about trading somebody, take them off of your roster, and then the person that you're wanting to trade for, you both of those two are sitting not on your roster. Which one would you rather have? Oh well, I would rather have Kachuk out of those two. Yeah, for sure, hundred yeah, percent. So let's make this a a three way tie here. A, all of us agree that Robert Thomas would be part of the deal. Okay, and the reason I see it as being part of it is you have established centerman already. Ryan O'Reilly is going to be your number one centerman. 
Braden Shen, you've got six more years of Shenner. He's going to be your number two center. As much as we like to toy with him on left wing, if you look at his numbers and the analytics, he's not he's not as productive on the wing as he is at center, so you're going to keep him there. So where does Robert Thomas really fit in? Now you're going to try and square peg round hole on the right wing where you've done that for a few years, but it's not really his natural position. To me, he becomes expendable. And not in a way where I don't want him. I love him on my team. If we have Robert Thomas on our team next year, I'm thrilled. But again, if you're thinking of the prospect of adding someone of the abilities of a Matthew Kachuk, you have to look at that and go, this is a position where we can wheel and deal. So Robert Thomas would definitely be part of that deal. Now, part two, who else would be part of that deal for you guys? Because it's going to take... It's going to take a minimum of three pieces to make this three work. Three pieces. Easily. I'm, I'm wondering Boy. if one of them is that number one draft pick defenseman Hobie Baker winner that was injured this year. Perunovic? Petru- Perunovic. Yeah, he, that, will be a, that will be a hard no. A hard no. Okay. A hard no. Okay. Yeah. So he's already untouchable right now. I don't know if he's untouchable. Right. Well, right now, um, at least. As of right now, you're sitting there going, I think his ceiling is way too high, uh, ultimately, then we're willing to give up right okay. now. And so, boy, could he be the cherry on top if they have to make it happen? I Nothing would surprise me with Army. He's very aggressive when he wants something. But as of right now, I'd say the answer would be no on Perunovic. I mean, it's, because there doesn't seem, I didn't mean to interrupt you, no, but I don't, I, don't, I don't think that there's like a lot of defensive depth that they can trade from. At least yeah. I don't feel okay. that way. Let me help you guys. Okay, because we need it. Is uh, do you currently, as a St. Louis Blues, have a defenseman that is still very young, that has tremendous upside, but he just doesn't seem to have a home under this current coach? Vince Dunn. Oh, yeah, Vince Dunn. Okay, so Vince Dunn. Here we go. Right, restricted free agent. Oh, see, I thought he was on. Okay, okay. he's still a restricted free agent. Team control. Um, he didn't really fit in. Jake Wallman stepped up and became. I would say an equal version as Vince Dunn. Now, Vince Dunn's ceiling, I think, is higher than Jake Wallman. And Vince Dunn would play top four in Calgary. Because remember, Mark Giordano, probably gone. You're going to need a guy to fill those shoes, and you're going to need a puck mover, a skater. He checks all the boxes. And you wanted to – I don't think you want to move on, but the thought of moving on from Vince Dunn is there because you've got uh, Scandella, Krug, Mikola, Wallman. Those are four left-handed defensemen that you currently have on your roster. You add done, that's five. That's To me, that's crowded. Very crowded. Talk about healthy competition all you want, it's crowded. So I think you have two young players with a tremendous amount of upside left in both of them, in Robert Thomas and Vince Dunn. The Calgary Flames go, okay, we've got some young guys on this team. Now this group can mature together. What's the next piece, the one piece that's missing that Calgary's going to be lacking in a year to two years. Mm, I was going to say a left winger that can score. Or a forward that can score. Because you got Johnny Gaudreau, Monaghan, and if they do trade Kachuk, then they're going to need to fill that void with some scoring. And now it could be a player, too, that hmm, maybe he might work really well with Robert Thomas. Never know. Maybe they know each other. Maybe they. there's been talk of them playing together before. I am completely stunned. Uh, my, my first thought was Tarasenko. There you go. Yes. 
Will you think that? Do you think that would get the deal done? Those three. I think three? it gets the deal done. I'd be okay with that. I think it gets the deal done. Now, I, I hate that I'm saying that, but I'd be okay with that. Okay, I would be absolutely okay with it if you look at the point production of Matthew Kachuk and combine the point production of the other guys. Uh, you're getting a lot of return on investment. And he's what twenty three. Twenty three. So he would be 24. You'd probably look to lock him up for eight years after that. He becomes your franchise player for obvious reasons. He's a heck of a player. He's a gritty guy. He's a net Sa- front presence. He's a St. Louis guy. He's a St. Louis guy. All of the above. Check, 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 check. Now, Tarasenko, you might be asking, well, he has no trade, you donkey. You're right. He does. But there's ways around that, okay? And, and the way to get around that is you piss him off. Sounds terrible. I know. And it this really is just does, yeah, this is the business side of it. This is not me saying that you should do it. I, I've got my business hat on right now. And what you do is you cut a deal with the Seattle Kraken and you tell them not to take him and you give them a piece that they really want. They're probably not going to want Vladdy anyways, but you expose Vladdy for the draft. What happens there? Vladdy's pissed off. He didn't get the C. Remember how he felt about that? Mm-hmm. Wasn't very happy about that. Now he just got un- left unprotected for the expansion draft. So then when you approach him with the trade, he's probably going to say, I don't really like it. I don't really want to go there, but I don't want to be here. And so you make it happen. And for Calgary's side of it, they they look at a player that has potential, maybe, of repeating what he once was, but you're cost certain. Right now, Calgary's not cost certain on Matthew Kachuk. $7 million is the only thing they're cost certain about. After that, if he goes to arbitration, which he has those rights, we're looking at 9 to $10 million for that one year. I'd rather say I'm locked into Tarasenko for two years at 7.5, and then I can walk if it doesn't work. But what if it does? What if he puts in another 25 to 30 goals? That would be exact reverse of Brett Hull if you think about that. Because he came here from Calgary. Don't compare him. To I, I just, no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm saying I'm comparing the <laughs> transaction, yeah. not the person. Do, do not, do, guys, I gotta. I, 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 and Jamie, maybe you can't answer this, and I and I understand that. But, but Jeff, has your? I just go back and forth with my opinion on Tarasenko. Like, like as far as wanting him here, as far as wondering if he's a pissy, whiny baby, as far as I, I just, I'm not. And the thing is, is that when I feel like I'm ready to cut ties, I think. Oh, you're going to cut ties with that guy? Right. Wait, yeah. wait, you know, it, it is so confusing to me, this particular player on this team. So here, let me interject just for a second here, okay? And, and Jeff, uh, sir, I'll give you the floor in a second here. If you're looking at your roster next year, where does Vladdy fit, okay? If you're the St. Louis Blues, you, you think, oh, this guy, he, what he once was. What he once was, okay? Your first line right winger is David Perron. A point-of-game guy last year, he's absolutely your first-line right-winger. And works his ass off every freaking game. Correct. Your second-line right-winger is Jordan Cairo. 14 goals in his first real season in a shortened season. That's 20-plus. And he had some some growing pains throughout the season and bounced around from line to line. If he had some certainty on guys he's going to play with, I project, I, I, I project him to be a 25-30 goal scorer. And probably a point of game guy wow. in the future, and he's electric, he's fast. Dude, every electric. time he gets the puck, he's he's a he's a threat to score. So if you look at that, and even though Vladdy technically, when you put Vladdy in there, you're like, wow, oh, he's better career wise than these guys. Where is he right now? After two years of sitting on the shelf, pretty much, where is he right now? And so then you slot him in the third line. You think Vladdy wants that? That was a dilemma at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. 
And Vladdy wasn't even on the first power play, if you remember, at the end of the season because they had Hoffman on one side and Perron on the other. And Vladdy didn't fit into the plans. And so why would you why would you not make that move if you could to acquire your top power play forward, which would be Matthew Kachuk standing in front of the net? And Matthew and Sutter didn't really – Kachuk and Sutter, the coach, didn't really mesh anyway, right? It, I, un, unknown, okay. Uh, but it was weird to me that Daryl Sutter, who is a blood-and-guts type coach – it's weird to me that Matthew Kachuk's minutes went down so much under his supervision. Yeah. And, and now we had uh, Haley Salvian on the other day, who's writer for The Athletic, and she just said, oh, Daryl did say he needs to find more minutes for Matthew Kachuk, that he was aware that somehow it's gotten lost, and but did he say that? Or, like, it still didn't change much? Like, I don't know. I just don't know if it's a match made in heaven for whatever reason. Um, and I could be way off in left field right now talking about it, but I just think that, uh, you know, sometimes what you see is more of an answer than what someone says. That makes sense. I'm you got to get one Kachuk brother before you can get both of them. <laughs> right, right. And that's my goal. Well, there's no chance you're getting <laughs> the other know, one. I know, but there's I can no still chance. say it. People have it. bugged me. Uh, not bugged me. They don't bug me. Uh, people have mentioned that to me on Twitter. They've, like, messaged me and said, well, how about both Kachuks? <laughs> Listen. That'd be a dream, okay? It'd be a dream come true. But Brady Kachuk is going to sign a long-term deal with the Ottawa Center. He's going to be the captain there. He's in it for another seven to eight years easily as an Ottawa Senator. You're not prying that guy away. No, There's and he's no younger way. too, right? Twenty-one. Twenty-one. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, I'm I'm floored by the. I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on the terrace. And I'm going to will this trade to happen. That's <laughs> Let's get Army I'm, on the phone. Damn I have it. absolutely no knowledge of it. I'm just willing this trade to happen. It just still floors <laughs> me that you have as many injuries as you have as as Tarasenko has had, and then to still get you know your 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 undies in a bunch if you don't get the captain to Ryan friggin' O'Reilly like. Maybe. How many years has Vladdy been here, though, right? So, well, sure. Some, I understand, but some guys look at it. It's just it. like anything else, right? So, in the radio world, you've been in a spot for several years and you get passed over for a promotion for a new guy. How are you feeling? Yeah, no, you're right. I I, un, I, I get it. I, I very much understand. I, but it's just. Doesn't make it right. Right. It, it, it's. I, I'm just wondering if now, you know, and it's not ever this easy. I just am wondering if it's time to cut ties with this guy. I think. I, I think if you can improve your team, you're still in this Stanley Cup window. So go for it. Well, you this know? extends the window, right? I went through the core of the team uh, yesterday. There were 11 guys that I had earmarked as core guys. You had Matthew Kachuk, it's 12, and then you probably, Clem Costin, I did not have him in it. I had a question mark because let's see what he becomes. If he becomes what we think he can, now you add that, you're up to, what, 13 guys? Like Your core group is pretty darn solid, and you have huge positions that are already filled. The goalie position, you've got your D, you've got Falk, you've got Krug, you've got Pareko. Those are solid pieces. Could you always upgrade here? Yeah, you can, but those are what you're sure of. And then when you go up front and you're O'Reilly's, your Perron's, your 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 Shen, your Sunquist, like when you start diving into it, the core is very much going to be intact here. And you have the ability of keeping that core intact. So instead of the two years left of this five-year window that Army talks of, if you added a guy like Matthew Kachuk, you'd probably extend that another couple of years. You're probably looking at a five-year window. When does all this stuff the the trading teams and all this other stuff. When does this all happen? When does this all start? Is it July twelfth? Is free agency? Is that right? Uh, usually July first. July first. July first. Okay. Um, 
So I'd have to go back and look because this year's unique because the season's going to go on longer because right. of all the pandemic stuff. Uh, but ordinarily, you can't make any moves until the playoffs are over. Okay, that's I didn't know if it was just the teams that are still involved or, or league-wide you can't do anything. League-wide. I think you can waive a guy. You can so, do stuff inter-organization, but you can't yeah, trade pieces. Stuff, with, yeah. Minor things can be done. But listen, the big time where this is going to happen is right before the NHL draft. And then it'll happen. Well, it's going to be a domino effect. You'll have the expansion draft. So you're going to learn a lot about what teams are valuing or not valuing and then what they're trading and not trading in order to save guys or get rid of guys or whatever. Then you'll have the NHL. Uh, then you'll have the NHL draft, which is a whole other like deadline day where there's a whole bunch of trades that get made. And then you'll have free agency. So there's going to be a lot of action. I think if the Blues were to pull off this trade, with the exact trade we've just put out there, I think this is a trade that happens between the expansion draft and the NHL draft in that window based on the fact that you probably would have um, made certain individuals angry with being uh, unprotected for the expansion draft. And so the emotions riding high would be probably trade me right frigging now, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think he'd say it that way because he's Russian. So I think he would probably have to. He knows would... some of those words really well. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that. Well, dudes, this uh, boy, I got to tell you something. I've never been so concerned about a Blues team with so many good players. Right. <laughs> like... I've never been so concerned for a Blues team that's not currently playing either. Right. You know, right? It just, it's a it's a really uh, it's a really crazy great time to be a Blues fan, yeah, man. I, agree, man. I, I I absolutely love it. Well, gentlemen, what a nice conversation on a Wednesday. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Donnie. You're welcome, Donnie. Now, guys, Thank I you. have homework for you guys. Oh, oh crap. Okay. Well, can I do it the same way I did in high school? Not. <laughs> That's the Probably. best answer yeah, ever. I mean, <laughs> what do you got over there? And, and when do right. we have to turn it in? It's easy. No, it's not even that hard. You don't have to write, Jeff, which I know is challenging. Well, let me put my shoes back on. Uh, we all just have to will this trade to happen. Okay. okay. All right. I'm in. So in, in those moments of reflection, which I know you guys have, probably on a nightly basis, mm-hmm. And you have clarity and you're, you know, above the clouds in your meditation when state. I'm stretching and yogaing, mm-hmm. yes. We're willing this trade to happen. All okay? right. St. Louis. believe that our energy alone, the three of us, and maybe some of our listeners, if you want to jump in too, feel free. Let us know you're meditating. Let us know you're willing this one to happen. We we would absolutely love it. it I, is- I would imagine that in your phone, in the context, you would have at least one Kachuk number in there. Let's make it happen. I have a lot of Kachuks. It starts there. with T, by the way. Yes, <laughs> it does. It does. Um, but I am not responsible for this. And if Big Walt calls me out and says, what are you doing stirring it up? I'm not. I just, I really love your kid that much. I want him to be here I just want to see him 42 games I'm helping a year Chantel. Your that, wife. Yes. Mama wants one of her kids home, and this is the way to do it. I love the idea of Big Walt calling you going, hey, man, why are you stirring it up? Right. Shut up. I, that, that cracks me up, man. I don't know if he'd be all that surprised. <laughs> well, it is the Last Minute Blues podcast. Jamie Rivers, Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango. Thanks, as always, everybody, for listening. Share the podcast with your hockey love and friends, and we can't wait to say let's go Blues and have it actually matter again. It's the Last Minute Blues podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. 
from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.